All right. All right. Well, last week we um, uh, were talking about the ironic benediction and about blessing and really about what blessing is. What does blessing mean? We're using the ironic benediction. It was last week's Torah portion, you know, to, uh, to, to talk about that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, very quickly, what we said last time was that in its context, the ironic benediction, you know, we do it every week here, and it's done in, in synagogues around the world all the time in every, every Shabbat service, right? Um, it was a word of encouragement to the people as they were getting ready to leave Sinai and travel to get to the, uh, get, get to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, get to the land. And they thought it was only going to take a few months. You know, they were not expecting uh, a 38-year a, a bypass. Uh, you know, uh, you know if, if you're like me, well, before GPS, now it's like, yeah, there's no excuse, right? Uh, but before GPS, you, you know, if you're someone like me, it's like, I will not ask for directions. I know where this is. Uh, and so you could end up almost anywhere. Uh, all right. Uh, I can tell you stories of going the opposite direction on an interstate, and after a while, figuring out the mileage is going the wrong way on the si- on the road signs. Uh, you know, but now uh, it's not so bad. But for our ancestors, it wasn't uh, a case of getting lost. You know, it was a it was really a, a judgment on that generation. But anyway, uh, in its context, the ironic benediction was a word of encouragement to the people to know that God was traveling with them uh, in the wilderness. Uh, And we know that it contained three different parts. This is what we talked about last time. His care, nurturing, and his protection is one. His gracious favor, kindness upon them is two. And wholeness, peace, satisfaction, three. In a way, you could say that the the way that it is written you know, the way it's written, it gets bigger as it goes on. The first blessing is the shortest, the second one is a little longer, and the third one is a little longer. And so in a way, it's like building. It's like building up to wholeness and peace and well-being, which encapsulates, you know, all, all of it, right? And then we look to see that later on in Jewish history, in Psalm 67 and in Psalm 121, uh, that... Uh, the blessing of the Aaronic benediction was interpreted uh, as, uh, in Psalm 67, I uh, understood that its purpose was to testify to the nations about the reality of the God of Israel. You can listen to this message online, and uh, you know you'll get the whole thing. And then, and then Psalm 121, it was used. Uh, uh, as a way of, uh, of remembering that God cares with us on the journey of life. On the journey of life, God travels with us. A testimony to the nations and God traveling with us. We said that blessing is a relational term. In a way, it defines God's relationship with humanity, whether we're talking about humanity created in the image and likeness of God, or being in relationship with God in, in, in Yeshua, or being in relationship with God via covenant, like Israel, covenantal relationship with God, or, or new covenant relationship with God. Uh, you can define, if you wanted to use a term, what's another term instead of relationship? You could say in a blessed 
in a blessing mode. Right? So it's a relational term. God in relationship with man. And also, as we'll learn next week, uh, people in relationship with people. Right? We, uh, we said that when God blesses, He brings a person or a group into alignment with His purposes or equipping Him to serve His purpose. A blessing is not simply a gift that we get. That's very important. A blessing is not just simply, oh, I had a great vacation, and so that was a blessing from God. Now, we might, we might say, yes, of course, everything comes from God, so it's a blessing from God. Uh, but you don't want to get the idea then that, well, uh, you know, if my vacation got canceled, well, then I'm missing, then I'm not blessed. Uh, you, you know? So we have to be careful how we understand these things. That's all. Uh, it, you know, a, a blessing is something that serves his purpose. It can be material things or it can be in like an intangible attitude, right? Uh, and, and of course, as we learn in the, uh, uh, in, in the passage in the book of Numbers that the, um, uh, the, the, there's another side to it, right? Because when you read the Aaronic benediction, uh, you could get the idea uh, that, uh, well, what happened? You know, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God make his face to shine on you. May God give you peace, right? Well, they had a pretty rough time in the wilderness. In fact, the, the, uh, the entire generation died in the wilderness, right? Uh, and, and so we could say, well, then God didn't bless them. What happened? God, God didn't come through. Uh, then there really must not be a God. Uh, or uh, he's very disappointing, and uh, and so I'm not really going to have anything to do with him anymore. No, right? We know that it was uh, God's desire is always to bless. God's desire is always to be in relationship. God's desire is always to cause us to walk in a way that he created us to be, to give us satisfaction and and uh, and also to be a testimony and, you know, and to serve his purposes. But they did not respond well. And when we don't respond well, we miss out on, on blessing when we don't respond well. Okay? So uh, very, very important. Uh, a lot of blame falls on uh, 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 God, uh, you know, uh, sadly. Uh, but uh, God's always uh, desirous there uh, to... Uh, you know, for, for blessing. We define blessing as an infusion of life. An infusion of life, right? Life as defined by God and the scriptures, giving us life. So as Messiah followers, if we see ourselves living in Yeshua, then we could say life is a blessing. I mean, in him, we live in him 24-7. It's not just like when I read the Bible or... It's not just, uh, you know, when I'm uh, doing some kind of a religious activity, right? But if I am a Messiah follower, I live in him, in the sphere of Messiah. And so, therefore, life is a blessing, okay? It doesn't become categorized, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in any way. Uh, life is a blessing. And whatever happens that builds into my life, is a blessing. And we read that things can happen in our life that are 
that are seemingly negative things, but that build into our lives, that makes it a blessing. Not because we're, we're not people that love to be in pain or uh, have bad things happen to us, but we can frame it in a certain way to know that, well, I'm learning perseverance or building character or, or it's giving me hope for, for the, uh, the future. I, and so if we live in Messiah, whatever happens that builds into our lives is a blessing. Now, you know, if I receive a gift, if somebody gives me something, like if I received a gift of money, that's usually the easiest one to, <laughs> the poster child of, of uh, how we understand these things in our world. Uh, if I receive a gift of money from someone, I see it as coming from God, and therefore I'm encouraged in him, and it's a blessing. But if I don't receive a gift, that does not mean that, oh, God has deprived me of blessing, right? I'm blessed in that I'm learning how to live with a little or living with a lot, like Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. He says, rejoice in everything. Rejoice in a little, rejoice in a lot. And so this way, life is a blessing. And that's, uh, you know, a, a good way of understanding it. Uh, there are many, many verses, there are many, many things we could say about blessing, but I, I'm, I'm just hoping that over from last week, this week, and next week, we sort of get a handle on what blessing is and how we give it and experience it, okay? Now, we want to remember always that the trajectory uh, of life is at the end, at the consummation, at the return of the Lord. I, uh, there is a complete restoration of all blessing. From, the, from creation, right? Uh, a return to Eden, as, as it were. The messianic kingdom. I, uh, no more death, no more sorrow, no more worry. A complete restoration of this world. A blessed state. The blessed state, we could call, we could, we could call it, right? I thought to myself as I was uh, writing this, the, that would be a good uh, like name of a state, right? But I live in the blessed state. Right? Uh, but uh, anyway, that is, you know, uh, in, in our lives, as we travel in this wilderness, just like Israel traveling in the wilderness, it was a state of blessedness. But looking forward to the, uh, the, complete, uh, the complete blessed state, right? So when Yeshua came, he inaugurated the beginning of new covenant blessedness, right? Uh, and the beginning of new covenant blessedness is a restored relationship with God. That's where everything begins, is restored relationship uh, with God. Alienation from God, and we've talked about this before. Uh, what Yeshua did is he ended the alienation that we have with him, which means it ended the alienation we have with ourselves and others and this world. I, uh, but it begins with a restored relationship uh, with a, a God. I, and uh, very importantly, as we'll see in a minute, that this restored relationship with God is not some otherworldly thing, you know, that I, that I can't wrap my hands around and that it's just like some theological idea. Uh, and so therefore, I really can't get too excited about it. Uh, you know, I, I'd be really excited... Uh, you know, if uh, God, uh, you know, gave me things that I can have in my house 
or hold in my hand, then I'd be really excited, right? Because I can feel them and I can touch them. But one of the things we need to understand is that in this restored relationship with God, it is made with real human beings. And so we do experience real things in our lives that we would call blessedness and an infusion of life. So this week, what we want to do is we want to look at a key passage in the Brit Chadashah about blessedness, okay? And understand uh, some very important connections that it has with the Aaronic benediction uh, and with the entire, with the Torah and the Tanakh. And then next week, it's going to be about then how do we give and receive blessing more, you know, horizontally? So we want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're not going to go through all of the different aspects of blessedness, but we, again, want to understand the concept of blessedness. Okay? So in the book of Ephesians, okay, so Paul is writing to this basically uh, formerly pagan congregation, right? The people at Ephesus... Uh, they had uh, they had uh, a particular god named Artemis uh, that uh, they worshipped, and and it was a big industry, you know, in Ephesus of producing uh, these uh, like little statues of Artemis, uh, and uh, and so they were a religiously pagan uh, community. Well, you know from the Book of Acts what happens there that Paul goes there and. He's there for a few years, uh, and uh, there's some real uh, fruit to his labor. A congregation uh, is formed, and now he's left, and now he's writing to them years years later. Okay, uh, and uh, what he's explaining in Ephesians is uh, very clearly that um, uh, that these people. Uh, who were formerly pagans, but not Jewish people. They're not Jews now, but now they are one with the Jewish Messiah followers uh, in a covenant relationship with God. Uh, and the first three chapters, he's talking about uh, uh, the fact of it, you know, the mechanics of the unity of, in Messiah. And then in chapters four to six, the practical application, because after he makes this big case about Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, then he, then he immediately says, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of this calling. Okay, there's a particular way to live. You can't live the way you've always lived. And this is very important for the first chapter because all of the blessing of what he's going to describe in the first chapter is what allows people to live the right way and to interact with each other, you know, in, in the, in the right way, in a blessed kind of way. All right. So, um, in verse two, in his salutation, uh, he says something interesting. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Grace and peace, grace and peace. Very interesting. Not all of his letters say grace and peace. Some of them do. Uh, but grace and peace, that might remind you of something. It might remind you of the ironic benediction, right? 
uh, when he says, uh, may he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Grace and peace are major parts of the Aaronic benediction. Grace and peace. I'm going to suggest that this is the kickoff for his long discussion of, uh, of blessedness uh, here. So he says, grace and peace. And he identifies Yeshua with the Lord, right? Yeshua is Lord. God, God and Lord, right? Uh, uh, God our Father and the Lord Yeshua. Uh, and, and so this, he's going to uh, unpack this now beginning in, in verse 3. Now verses 3 to 14, we're not going to take this apart, okay? That is indeed an MSI course right there, all right? Uh, Marcus Barth, unrelated to the other part, right? Uh, that would be Karl Barth, right? No, no, it's not the same person. No, no. Marcus Barth. Uh, he says this about uh, this, uh, this sentence. He says, He has blessed us in Messiah. One infinitely long, heavy, clumsy sentence, replete with dependent clauses, excursies, specifications, repetitions, uh, and the like, runs in the Greek text from verse 3 to 14. Okay? Uh, and so this, this is... Uh, if. Uh, for Paul, if this, uh, if, if this sentence, verses three to 14, was his final exam in either a systematic theology course or, uh, how to write in Greek course, uh, it would have been rough going for him. Okay? Uh, so I, uh, we're not going to take the whole thing apart, but we want to understand the, the gist of it and, and what is, uh, what is uh, taking place. All right, so when he says here in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who has blessed us uh, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Messiah. Notice in verse 3, blessed be God who blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He has blessing on his mind. Uh, okay. Now, what's interesting here is that the Greek word for bless here is, uh, it's where we get the word eulogy from. It's where we get in English the word eulogy. It's something spoken. Like if I said, uh, uh, David, it's great to see you today. You know, wonderful, wonderful. Oh, fantastic. Right. We might say, Oh, you've spoken a word of blessing. You know, it's encouraging to me. Right. Uh, so what's interesting here is Paul is using this word in a different way. Except we, you can make the argument, "Blessed be God" at the beginning of the at the beginning of the sentence, because he is speaking a word about God. But when he describes it, God isn't just saying a word to us. Or every spiritual blessing is not just a word of praise uh, or anything like that uh, uh, to us. Right? What Paul is doing is he is taking this Greek word and he's using it in a very Jewish way. He's using it as if it is the same as bar Barach or Baruch, right? 
uh, which uh, in the Hebrew text clearly is what got the infusion of life. Always remember that blessing, infusion of life. Okay, so Paul is using the word in a Hebrew kind of way. Okay, and that should make sense to us because Paul spoke as a Jewish person. He's using the Greek language, but he is, at least here and sometimes in other places, using it in a very Jewish-oriented kind of way. All right? Okay, so I think that's kind of interesting for us to, you know, to understand. Uh, now, so when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua, he's saying a few different things uh, here. Uh, first, blessing comes via Yeshua. Okay? Uh, and he's going to say this more than one time. Uh, who has, in the, at the very end of verse 3, he's blessed us in Messiah Yeshua. And, uh, and again, by, uh, speaking about this, uh, in, in the way that he, uh, does, he's, he is speaking in a sense, uh, in the context of the, of the, of the Tanakh, uh, that now, though, in Messiah Yeshua, uh, uh blessing comes in, in Messiah Yeshua. Now, before I say anything else, I need to say this. We need to sort of take the, the drone look at this passage. And uh, we need to look uh, at the beginning of it, and we need to look at the end of it. Okay? Okay. The reason I say that is, uh, if, you, if you go down to verse 13. Okay, see verse 13? Verse 13 is a very, verse 13 and 14. Very important verses in this. Notice there it says, in him you also. Okay? In him you also. Okay. Now, the reason that I bring that up at the very beginning is because when he says here, he has blessed us. See in verse 3, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And then in verse 13, he says, in him you also after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, buckle your seatbelts because we're going to understand this in a little different way than your typical, uh, usual way of understanding this passage. I am going to suggest to us that what he is doing at the beginning is he is saying that the Messiah has come, okay? And, and in Messiah Yeshua, he has begun to fulfill the calling and new covenant blessings to Israel, to Israel. But not only to Israel, but to you too, in verse 13. But to you, I also having received I, the message of truth, right? Because if you follow the pronouns all the way through, he defines who you is. You are Gentiles. That's He defines it in, in chapter 2. You follow the pronouns uh, all the way through. So what he's saying at the beginning is, blessed be God who sent the Messiah 
to fulfill the new covenant blessings upon us, meaning upon us, upon us as Israel. And that becomes quite clear here. Now, when he says every spiritual blessing, it's really, it's not like there's a category of a whole bunch of different spiritual blessings. It, it, it really is all, all blessing. You know, it's, it's important that we understand that it's singular. All spiritual blessing. Blessing. Okay? And he's talking about the, the new covenant promise of blessing of restored relationship, of infusion of life, the promise of life that he has uh, promised Israel uh, all the way back in Jeremiah chapter 31 uh, when he talks about a new a new covenant. Okay, When he says spiritual blessing, that does not mean uh, blessing in the clouds. Okay? So it's a spiritual blessing. It doesn't really have anything to do with me in my life, but it's a spiritual blessing. Oh, it's a pious, lovely blessing that, that he's given to us. You, you know, it's a spiritual thing. I can't really put my, my arms around it. Uh, but, you know, but, it, but it's a really, it's a really neat thing, you know? And when I'm dead, and then sometime after that, resurrected from the dead, then I'll experience maybe something what, what that is. No, that's not what that means. Okay? It's using the word spiritual here as coming via the Spirit of God. Coming via the Spirit of God. And if you go down to verse 13, when he says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Ruach HaKodesh of promise. The Holy Spirit of a promise. The spiritual blessings are all spiritual or all blessing is spiritual by its nature. It's not versus physical. Okay? By its nature, it comes via the Ruach. When we embrace Yeshua, okay, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. Therefore, we begin, you know, this infusion of life, which is by nature spiritual, coming via the Spirit uh, of God. Uh, and uh, uh, from, in, it's, now it says, in heavenly, in the heavenlies, literally, in the heavenlies. But, you know, some of us have places in the, in the heavenlies. And all that means is not up in the clouds, but from where God is. Okay, that God's uh, treasure house of blessing is where he is, and it comes from God. And that, that's what he's getting at. Not some other, uh, other worldliness. Now, in verse 4, when he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Now, I'm going to stop there, even though this is like one gigantic long sentence. I'm going to stop there. Okay, this is very important because this is not speaking about some fatalistic, uh, determined haves and have-nots. Okay? That is not what this is talking about. This is not talking about God chose me, but not that guy. That is not what this means. All right? 
Now, notice what it says. He chose us in Him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless. Who was called to be holy and blameless? Israel was called to be holy and blameless. You read it at Mount Sinai, right? Uh, We are called to be a holy people. And in a variety of places, holy and blameless before Him. The calling of Israel was to be a testimony to receive blessing from God, to be a testimony to the nations of being holy and blameless. What Paul is saying is that he chose us, in parentheses we'd say, he chose us, uh, you know, Israel, now when he says, in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. But now you see, in Messiah, we receive this only in Messiah. In Messiah, we can now be the people he called us to be. Uh, And it's not about uh, choosing individuals. Israel, when we talk about the election of Israel, it wasn't, okay, he chose uh, that guy, and he chose that guy, and he chose that guy. He chose the people, right? He chose Israel, the people, to be holy and blameless. Now, when anybody, when a, when a Jew or Gentile embraces the Messiah, again, remember, you know, you also, right? He's, he's saying, now this is not just for us, but you too. Very important, right? But what he's saying is, is that when we embrace Yeshua, we become part of the chosen group of people whom God has called to be holy and blameless. That's what he means in chapter 2 when, when he's going to use the term commonwealth of Israel. You know, about Gentiles uh, now becoming called the commonwealth of Israel. Not Jews, but, but under the kingship of Israel. Uh, under the kingship of Israel means in covenant relationship with the God of Israel, having the same calling to be a light to the nations, to be a testimony. Uh, and so it's not a case of when I come to faith, it's like, okay, finally, uh, you know, y- y- I've been waiting for you, you know, uh, you were the predetermined elect, uh, you know, you, you, you're supposed to believe, but you, who, you, you'll never believe. That is not what this means. This means that it is us who are chosen. It is us who are called. When we embrace Yeshua, we enter into the chosenness. We enter into a particular calling to be holy and blameless before him. And that's what Paul is saying. That in the finished work of Messiah, we receive blessing. When we receive him, we receive infusion of life, i.e. blessing. And that blessing includes now now the the, uh, power to live for the Lord, okay? But as this passage goes on, now in Messiah, part of the new covenant blessing is being able to now live as a child of God. That's what adoption is. That had always been a promise to Israel, right? But without Messiah Yeshua, it is impossible to enter into into that uh, a calling. Not only adoption, uh, you know, but also redemption, forgiveness uh, of sins. 
And, and it says, which He has lavished upon us. Right? Uh, and so, how important this is to understand. What Paul is explaining here is that Messiah has come. Israel can finally begin to fulfill this calling in Messiah. God called Israel to be holy and blameless. In the promise of the new covenant, there's forgiveness, renewed relationship, adoption, redemption. Oh, I said that. And forgiveness, right? Uh, all of this is part of the blessing and calling of, of Israel. Paul is saying that the blessing of God is this restoration of relationship with Him. And then notice a little farther down, I believe it's in verse 10, He has done all this with a view to the future, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. That is, and aren't you glad he says that is, right? Which means the summing up of all things in Messiah, things in the heavens and things upon the earth. In other words, what he's saying is that in Messiah, the blessing has come. The blessing has a variety of different aspects. Forgiveness, redemption, being able to be holy and blameless uh, in our lives, really experiencing being a child of God, therefore being a testimony to the nations, uh, and all that that you know that that we are called to be. Now, finally, we can be this, but we're but we don't have it all yet. We're in this wilderness, but this is all looking forward to everything being summed up in Yeshua. You know when uh, when the Lord returns. And then he says that you also now are joint heirs. You know, he unpacks this later on in the letter. You're joint heirs. You are sealed with the Ruach uh, of, you are sealed with the Ruach of a promise, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and so how interesting it is that, uh, what, what, when Paul is uh, writing all this and he's describing all this, this is not some kind of like brand new, like, so to speak, Christian thing, you, you know? That this is the blessing that God had promised Israel through Abraham, Isaac, uh, and Jacob. In fact, you know, it's rather interesting, just in, in finishing up here, that in Genesis chapter 18, in verse 18, 1818. I know we like to look at 1890, but 1818 says this. Oh, I think we need to start in verse 17. Okay. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Meaning Sodom, you know. Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation. And look what it says. Isn't that interesting? In him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So, uh, you know, uh, it's an interesting thought that there's a subtlety in what Paul is writing here. That Yeshua, Yeshua has come, the, the child of Abraham. And that, yes, it is, you know, in Abraham's uh, physical seed through Isaac and Jacob, clearly the blessing, uh, you know, is promised. But it only becomes a reality in Yeshua. And using the terminology in Yeshua, perhaps to Paul reminded him or was an echo of, you know, in Abraham, well, in Yeshua, the son of Abraham. 
you know? Uh, and, and, uh, and, and so very important for us to understand that this is part and parcel of the hope of it. This is the hope of Israel. What Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 1 is the hope of Israel. Restored relationship with God. You know, forgiveness. The Torah being placed in our inward parts. Uh, uh, the, uh, the ability to be what God called Israel to be. But not only the Jewish people, but whoever trusts in Him. It is Yeshua who is chosen. And as we are identified in Him, we are chosen. Very, very important for us to get. Remember that, uh, you know, in Romans chapter 9, and by the way, you may be thinking, if you're a Bible person, you may be thinking, well, what about where it talks about in Romans chapter 8 at the end of the chapter about being predestined and chosen? I'm just going to say, same thing. Okay? We could talk about that another time. But uh, in Romans chapter 9, remember uh, uh, what we read here about Israel. Okay? When, when Paul says at the beginning of Romans 9, I am telling the truth in Messiah. I am not lying. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. That is Paul's way of saying, uh, you know, there's no other, I'm telling you this is what I really, this is really true <laughs> about me. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Messiah, for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom belongs the, what? Adoption as sons. The glory, the covenants, the giving of the Torah, the temple, the promises, whose are the fathers, and from whom is the Messiah according to the flesh, his overall God being uh, blessed forever. Amen. Uh, forever. Amen. I won't go on there, but my point is simply this. The reason that Paul is so sad and frustrated is because what he says in Ephesians chapter 1 is available. It has come. What well, we pray in the Amidah, you know, looking forward to the restoration of Jerusalem and the temples. It's all available in Messiah Yeshua. If only we would avail ourselves of the Messiah of Israel, speaking to, to Jewish people. But clearly, because the way Messiah has been portrayed, the way in the Jewish world Yeshua is understood, it's like, how is this good news for Jews? You know, what, what, what Paul is saying in Ephesians 1 is, all these promises come in Messiah Yeshua for us and you too. And that's what he's going to be saying throughout the first chapter, the rest of the first chapter, and the second chapter, and the third chapter. And then how, what do you do as a result of that? Chapters 4, 5, and 6, right? And so may we appreciate all over again the blessing that we have in the Lord because it is because of the fact that we enter into this chosenness. It is because that we have forgiveness and redemption and adoption, that we can live, that we can stay above the fray, that we can be, uh, we can be encouraged in times where the world is in great despair, that we have real hope, and that, you know, we, we can live uh, with, with an attitude of, you know, receiving satisfaction and wholeness and real peace from God, even in this world. Those are those have tangible ways of expressing themselves. And that is the blessing of God that we receive, that we can get through this wilderness. 
with our head up, with a hope for the future that plays itself out every day of our lives today. So may we be thankful for the blessing that we have via the, via the Spirit in Messiah Yeshua. And now next week, what we're going to do is we're going to understand, well, how, how does that work out in our horizontal relationships? And that's certainly very important. So let's be thankful today for the blessing we have in Him. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, we pray, uh, God, in the name of Yeshua. Lord, I pray for every single one of us, God, that we might be able to understand that if I am living in Messiah Yeshua, I am living a blessed life regardless of everything else. And may I understand the blessedness of knowing Messiah Yeshua. Lord, I pray for those that are discouraged today and just feel like there, there's nothing there, there's darkness. Lord, I pray, I, as Paul prayed in the end of this chapter, in Ephesians chapter 1, that the eyes of our heart might indeed uh, be uh, opened uh, uh, to the... Uh, 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 so that we might know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the Messiah followers and the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. I pray that the eyes of our heart might be opened so that we might be able to receive blessing, that we might be able to be encouraged, and that despair would be lifted. Lord, I pray for those of us that are worried, worried about upcoming decisions that have to be made or worried about, about the unknown, uh, uh, Lord. I pray, God, that we might dwell on your blessing with all of its many facets in our life, God. And may we live, live in that blessing. God, whatever the situation may be, God, may we know in our heart that we are indeed a blessed people. We pray in Yeshua's name.